Welcome to another message from Raymer Australia, recorded at our 2015 Impact Conference with the ministry of Mark and Trina Hankins. You can follow the sermon notes and listen online at raymer.org.au forward slash media. Good morning. <laughs> Pastor Tony asked if I needed him to help me get up the stairs. So just his encouragement alone, I was able to take a step, and the Lord provided the strength for me to be where I am right now. As you can see, everyone is not where I am right now. It took a lot of strength for me to take that step, but here we are. Amen. <laughs> um, I was just laughing because my daughter sent us a video from our, from our home. And uh, there's a little vacation in the United States right now. It's called uh, Memorial Day. And so uh, uh, my kids, the grandkids are at my house. So we need to pray that the Lord will protect my home <laughs> while we're gone. <laughs> and uh, on my walls in my home, then I have like a big moose on the wall that I killed up in uh, Canada friends from Canada, big moose. <laughs> and um, it's funny how that while I was harvesting that gigantic moose, I was also wanting to kill a grizzly bear. And so I was eight days up in the wilderness up in uh, Yukon Territory. And uh, so in, instead of just getting a big moose, I actually got a little parasite. <laughs> I was able to kill a little parasite after it had gone through my body for about two weeks, where that's the time that when you think you need to go to the bathroom, you already did. <laughs> so that's what a little parasite will do for you. But I was able to chase that parasite down and kill him with a giant sulfur pill from my doctor. <laughs> So then later on, I killed uh, two bears up in Canada. We have our friends from Canada. So, so on our floor in the house, we have these two black bears rugs on the floor, right? Much to my wife's disagreement. But I am the man in my house. She said, wouldn't those bear rugs look good in the garage? I said, they would look great in our house, in the great room, you know, where the fireplace is and the television. So my daughter sent me a video of uh, our two little grandkids, the twins, are crawling on the floor. And so they're crawling around the floor. So my little grandson, he's only just turned a year old, so he was over uh, playing with the bear <laughs> on the floor. And he's like one year old, so he's over there and he's looking in that bear's mouth and he's like, he's playing and he's like, <laughs> so he's down there. So now he goes exploring all over my house. So with my kids and my grandkids at the house right now, we'll pray for the Lord's protection <laughs> for my home. We haven't been home uh, a bit over 30 days by the time we get home. We started off uh, this trip preaching in Thailand, and then from Thailand we preached in Vietnam, 
and wonderful meetings there. And then we went from Vietnam to Philippines. Amen. And so someone said, if you're ever discouraged as a minister, you need to go to the Philippines and preach. Let me try that again. If you're ever discouraged as a minister, you need to go to the Philippines and preach. They're, they're the greatest people in the world to preach to. They actually respond. The problem with many churches, they just have too many white people in them. <laughs> I'm sorry, I pastored in Louisiana for 20 years, and our church was kind of half African American, you know, some Hispanic and some Asians, and then uh, the rest was white people. So the, uh, the uh, African Americans and the Hispanics and the Asians could actually outdo the white people. So the white people were the minority, so they actually had to start acting like they were happy. <laughs> I'm not a racist. I'm just telling you, I get tired of my color all the time. <laughs> but I'm actually not a white person. I'm actually red, and I have polka dots. They call them freckles. So... Um, my thumb got cut off when I was a little boy, so I thought now they can actually graft the thumb of um, someone who has already passed away. They can harvest the thumb and put it on your hand. So I threatened to get a black person's thumb and put it on my hand. Then I would actually be able to correct Barack Obama. <laughs> without people calling me a racist. And actually, our president is not really a black man. He's actually half white and half black, right? So if I criticize his, his um, fundamental uh, decisions, I would say I'm not criticizing the black part of him. I'm only talking about the white part of him. <laughs> I don't know if that helped at all, but... All right, well, maybe I should tell you a joke. <laughs> Some people are way just too spiritual to hear from God. <laughs> Did you hear about the guy that wanted to be a salesman? He wanted to be a salesman, and he kind of had like a little speech impediment, you know, but he wanted to be a salesman, and had a little speech problem. So he got a job selling toothbrushes. Well, he went out to sell toothbrushes. He came back after two weeks, and his boss said, how many toothbrushes did you sell? And he said, I sold 14. The boss said, that's terrible, 14. That's not good enough. I'm going to have to fire you. You only sold 14 toothbrushes. But I'm going to give you two more weeks. You go back out. We're going to see how you do. He said, okay. So he went out again to sell toothbrushes. So after two more weeks, he came back, and the boss said, how many toothbrushes did you sell? He said, I threw 14,000. The boss said, 14,000? How did you sell 14,000? He said, it was easy. He said, I went to the airport, and I set up a booth. The big sign said, free popcorn, chips, and dip. People in the airport, they come by, they get some popcorn, they get some chips, and they get some dip. 
And then they say, ooh, that dip tastes like manure. <laughs> and I say, it is manure. Want to buy a toothbrush? <laughs> so that's how he sold 14000 One more just to make sure all the religious devils are gone. <laughs> Did you hear about the man that was leaving church and the pastor was shaking hands with him and this man had two black eyes, two black eyes. <laughs> just so you know, my wife does not approve of this joke. This guy had two black eyes, so when he was leaving the church, the pastor said, well, how did you get two black eyes? He said, well, he said, I was sitting there, you told everybody to stand up, and this kind of heavyset lady in front of me, she stood up, and her skirt kind of got stuck between her, mm, there, so I pulled it down. <laughs> it looked unsightly, I just pulled it down, I went bang, like that, and she turned around and hit me in the eye. <laughs> pastor said well that's how you got one black eye how did you get two black eyes he said well I figured she wanted it there so I put it back so <laughs> all right I'm not going to tell you all no more jokes <laughs> now I don't tell that joke in America they're not really spiritual enough to handle it but since I was raised in church all of my life, I've actually seen, back in the old days, we had like these uh, pews that were made out of slats, you know, boards, boards that were slats. <laughs> and so w when you sit on those boards, sometimes if they weren't put together well, they'd kind of separate a little bit, see? So uh, this kind of a heavyset woman sat down, board separated a little bit. Pastor said, everybody stand up. She stood up and that crack, bam, caught her and pinched her. And she went, oh! And that started a revival in that church that actually <laughs> went, went, on, went on for weeks. So it's amazing what God can use to start a revival. <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead now and get spiritual. Are you ready? All right, uh, if you have your Bible, open up to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. And most of you know these verses, and we're going to teach some on the subject of faith and how faith works. So 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 12 says to fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. For you've been called and you have professed a good profession among many witnesses. So notice what Paul tells to Timothy. Timothy's a young minister. And Paul tells him, you're going to have to learn how to fight. So if you don't like to fight, you probably will not like the faith message. Let's try that again. I said, if you don't like to fight, you're not going to enjoy being a Christian. 
Well, I'm a middle child, so I actually like to fight. <laughs> so I have an older brother and a younger brother, so if there wasn't a fight going on, I usually would start one. So <clears throat> I thought it was interesting when you study the life of Samson, how it would say that Samson, this big strong guy, how that the Holy Spirit would move him at times and he would actually go to the camp of the Philistines. I thought that's interesting that here he's kind of minding his own business and the Holy Spirit actually stirs him up to go to the camp of the Philistines and start a fight. In other words, he would just go stir up trouble. So now why would the Holy Spirit actually <clears throat> move on you to start a fight, stir you up? use that word stirred uh, talking about stirring up the gift of God but if you read Acts chapter 17 it says that the apostle Paul when he went into Athens it said his spirit was stirred in him all right let me try that again it said his spirit was stirred if you'll study that word it uses that word in Acts 17 Acts 18 talking about the apostle Paul that his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the condition of the city when his spirit was stirred in him, if you'll study that word stirred, P.C. Nelson pointed out that that word stirred means it was such an emotion that was stirred in him that literally it could be translated into that he became so angry that he literally went to the chief places of the city and began to preach the gospel. So when the Holy Spirit stirs you, when you see the condition of your city or your village or your neighborhood and you're stirred to see people bound and oppressed by the devil and the Holy Spirit stirs you, he's wanting you to go pick a fight. Go start a fight. That means you're not willing to live like you're living and allow the condition of your city or your village or your families to continually live in that kind of oppression that the church is called to be the light, to be the salt, to bring great influence and to literally change a city, change a village, and literally change a nation. So he was stirred. That means the Holy Spirit stirred him to go start a fight. Sometimes when I think about just starting a fight or picking a fight, I think of the uh, gospel of Christ, the assignment that's on each of our lives, that God would literally stir us to go into territory, new territory, and preach the gospel, win souls, bring the influence of redemption into a city and into even a generation that you'd be stirred to see so many young people in the condition that they're in that you wouldn't be so upset about your tradition you'd be willing to do what was necessary to get in the middle of that culture and preach the gospel of Christ I said it was stirred amen that means he he was willing to fight he wanted to fight so when Paul tells Timothy to fight I mean he knows something about fighting Everything Paul did was a fight. <laughs> I mean, he's constantly in a fight. Here, he tells Timothy it is a fight of faith, but it's still a fight, and it's still a real fight. It's a different kind of fight, but it's still a real fight. And when Paul tells uh, uh, in Corinthians, when he says we have a spirit of faith, literally the spirit of faith, he's saying that in the middle of great adversity. 
Nobody had greater adversity than the Apostle Paul, but a part of his adversity was because of his desire to preach the gospel where it had never been preached. To take the word into new territory. We call that a pioneer spirit. Somebody said there's three different kinds of people. There's pioneers, settlers, and museum keepers. <laughs> that museum keepers are willing just to kind of dust off the memories of the past and maybe live with someone else's success. A settler is somebody who just finds their comfort zone making a living. I'm eating. I'm sleeping. I'll learn a few things every now and then <laughs> from watching the Discovery Channel. But, <laughs> but the pioneer spirit is a spirit of faith. A pioneer is someone who is constantly pressing for new territory. Somebody said, if you're not the lead dog, the scenery never changes. I don't need to explain that to you. A pioneer spirit, a spirit of faith, is someone who's constantly pressing for new territory. A spirit of faith, a pioneer spirit, is someone who believes that the best songs have not yet been written. The best sermons have not yet been preached. The best churches have not yet been built. Spirit of faith, uh, someone told me one time, they said, I like the spirit of faith you preach on that. He said, it makes me want to grab a corn stalk and swing out over hell and spit in the devil's eye. <laughs> a corn stalk, you know what that is? Pretty fragile thing. Grab a corn stalk, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. I thought, man, the Holy Spirit will make you start getting ready to spit right now. You go, In other words, all the things the devil told you you could never do and could never happen, that you with the spirit of faith constantly press for new territory, that's what the apostle Paul said. He said, I forget those things which are behind. I'm not whining about it, not talking about it, not what wished I could have been or should have been. He said, I totally have forgotten it, and I press for those things that are ahead. Sometimes we're still thinking about who left our church for years. My mother, my mother practiced Philippians, forget those things which are behind. Anybody that left their church, we'd see them in a grocery store and she'd say, what is your name? <laughs> she literally forgot that which was behind. In other words, <laughs> pressing for new territory. So if you study on the spirit of faith, actually a fight, there's a fight going on. And if you study uh, a salmon, it's called the, uh, a fighting fish, a salmon. So if you study about the salmon, they'll leave, they'll be born in a certain stream and they'll travel up to 2,000 miles out into the ocean 
but when it comes time for them to lay their eggs, they will actually come 2,000 miles, find the identical stream that they were born in. No one knows how they found it. They didn't have a Garmin, didn't have a GPS, but God put something in them that they could find the identical stream they were born in and go upstream and fight the currents and the bears and leap over waterfalls to get to the place that they believe they are supposed to lay their eggs. Once they lay their eggs, their assignment is finished, their life is multiplied millions of times. But on the way to their destination, they've got to fight. There is a fight for you to reach your destination. And to finish your course, there is a fight. And if you don't like to fight, you will never do the will of God. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just wants to slap you. <laughs> stir you. Come on, because you're, if you'll study the New Testament, it doesn't say they ever ran out of money. It says they ran out of time. We seem to focus more on how much money we have or don't have when the New Testament focuses on how much time you have and you don't have. How much time do you have to remain passive in your comfort zone when your time is so limited and you have an opportunity and in this opportunity, recognizing this day and this season with a spirit of faith, Somebody said, what if I fail? That's what they said about Oral Roberts. He said, Lord, what if I fail? And he said, the Lord told him, said, son, you have already failed. In other words, actually to take the risk with the spirit of faith to launch out into the deep with that spirit of faith. And so for a salmon, when they're going upstream, I thought it's interesting doing the study was that a salmon actually fighting the currents to go upstream. And then I saw a picture, wonderful picture, and I've never been salmon fishing. I'd love to do that. But I saw a picture of a grizzly bear and a salmon jumping the falls and the grizzly there with his mouth open ready to grab that salmon. Well, we know that they eat the salmon, but the, the study I saw, it said that really the grizzly bear, they love the salmon, but they actually are after the eggs that the eggs the salmon is carrying is the delicacy. They love the eggs. So when you're going through adversity, you have to understand the devil's not just after you. He's after the eggs you are carrying. Because if you never bring those to the destination that they're supposed to be, then your whole life is limited. But the moment you deliver those eggs to the destination you're supposed to deliver them, then your life is multiplied a million times so that the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, come on now, after 2,000 years, you're still quoting a man that delivered half of the New Testament with tremendous adversity. And yet he said, we have the same spirit of faith. Go ahead and just smile. <laughs> 
Now, you know, I was, I was preaching in California, and they had a lot of Marines in the service there because there's a Camp Pendleton, which is a Marine training base, you know, and so you got the, you got the elite fighters in the uh, American Army and the Marines, and so there's two rows of them there. So I was preaching there talking about the spirit of faith, and I just heard that our military intelligence had intercepted a message from the Taliban. And in that message, the Taliban had said to each other, they had said, when you're attacking the American troops, they said, always attack the National Guard. Never attack the Marines. They said, because if you attack the National Guard, they will run or they'll hunker down and hide. Because when they joined the army, they were actually looking for a good retirement plan, health care, see the world. That was the advertisement on television. They didn't know they were going to end up in Iraq in a fight. The National Guard was designed really just to defend. So they said, if you're going to attack the American troops, find out where the National Guard are and attack them. Don't attack the Marines. They said, because if you attack the Marines, they like to fight. They will chase you down and kill you. The devil knows that if he just slaps you around a little bit and you join just for the retirement plan <laughs> so you can see the world, you'll hunker down and try to hold out. But if you have a spirit of faith, there is a fight on the inside of you that when the devil slaps you, you say, you slapping me? I'm going to come after you and tear you up, boy. You just slap me. You attack my family. You attack my children. You attack my church. I'm not going to hunker down. Come on, I'm coming up out of here with a spirit of faith. I'm going to chase you down. That means I'm going to preach the gospel in places I never have gone before. I'm going to preach it in a way I never preached it before. Come on now. It says Paul was stirred in his spirit. You wouldn't want to hang out with the apostle Paul. I love the apostle Paul, you know, because Acts chapter 26, I love this story. So maybe you get to heaven, you can check out the video. possible the apostle paul when he's kind of uh, finishing his course and he uh, stands before king agrippa in acts chapter 26 one of my favorite chapters if you study the life of paul so paul's standing there in front of king agrippa and the governor and king agrippa's sister bernice and it says and these guys came so you've got like the king and you've got the governors and you've got it says it the the chapter acts 25 says they came with great pomp so that means that you've got the uh, you've got the chief men of the city the most influential people in the roman empire and you've got the generals who have all of their medals medals all their achievements of what they have done and they the roman empire literally possessing and taking over the world so you've got all these people there and the chief principal men of the city and it says and they came with great pomp people love the pomp Come on. It's kind of like a group of preachers who love the title too much. 
Some people will do a lot of things for God until you give them a title. With great pomp, they all came in. <laughs> and they brought the Apostle Paul out, and it said Paul had chains on his hands and chains on his feet. And it says that he had been beaten with 39 stripes five times. If you'll study that kind of beating, it actually would kill. One beating kill most men. 39 stripes five times. So if you were just to see his back, there's no picture of any slave that looked worse than the back of the Apostle Paul. Scars all over his back, hands bound, feet bound. He had actually been beaten with rods three times, and he'd actually had 40 men refuse to eat until they killed him. Now, I've had some people real mad at me before but they usually went ahead and ate. <laughs> He'd been through three shipwrecks and then Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27 is actually the fourth shipwreck of the Apostle Paul. So in all of these shipwrecks... <laughs> I mean, imagine the adversity that one man goes through just so he can deliver the eggs to the destination so that you would have the revelation. Man, you get to heaven after you see Jesus. Come on. Think of the adversity that he went through. And there Paul stood in front of the leaders of the Roman Empire who began to mock him. And it says, Paul says, I think myself happy. Now, when he said that, that's King James Version, I think myself happy. Hmm. I thought that's an interesting way to start. I think myself happy. So if you actually got a picture of that, you would see he's the only happy man in the whole group. And yet the man with the most adversity, when he said, I think myself happy, one translation says, I have been congratulating myself. You say, now why does he think himself happy? Why is he happy? In other words, Paul said, above all else, I am a happy man. Why is he so happy? I thought one of the greatest reasons he's happy is he's standing in the place that Jesus told him he would stand 30 years before on the road to Damascus, and it looked like he would never make it there. He would never get there. All the adversity looked like he would die, looked like he would be stopped, but there's something about the will of God when you mix faith with the will of God that there ain't no devil can stop you, no government can stop you, no shipwreck can stop you, nobody leaving you can stop you. And Paul stands there and said, I'm a happy man. I'm standing where Jesus told me. It took 30 years to get here, but here I I am, and I'm going to tell the leaders of the Roman Empire that Jesus died, he was buried, and on the third day he was raised from the dead, and every one of you will stand before him. Mm. 
I don't know, I think the most miserable man in hell is King Agrippa. <laughs> you say, why? Because he hollered out, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I mean, he had the witness of the best Christian preacher in history, and he refused to commit. Yeah. Yet Paul, standing there, he said, I'm a happy man. Think about what he could have said. I always think he could have said something like, I am a tired man. I have been through a lot. I'm tired. I'm weary. And I just want to go to the beach. I want a hammock. These people have worn me out. <laughs> I thought Paul could have said, uh, I'm a lonely man. Lonely. I mean, he could have written some good country western songs. <laughs> they say country western music is where you get rich singing about being poor. So Paul could have said, I'm a lonely man. I mean, he told Timothy, he said at one place, he said, all men forsook me. How many ever had somebody leave you that told you they would never leave you? Do you know how you can tell they're lying? Their lips are moving. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Come on, when somebody comes to your church and says, I want you to know I'll never leave you. Just write that down. They'll be gone in six months. Paul said, all men forsook me. They didn't send a card. They didn't send a letter. They didn't send their tithes. How am I supposed to pay my bills? He said, all men forsook me. Come on. If you're a pastor and you just have one or two significant people leave you, I mean, you could be depressed for days. You can always tell those at the conference. <laughs> Paul said, all men forsook me. But he said, the same night, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. That by me, the preaching of the gospel might be fully known. In other words, when all men forsook him, I always think about that because as a pastor, you got people coming and people going and people saying, I love the revelation and I love the word, and then they're gone, gone, <laughs> gone. Come on. It's kind of like if you live in West Texas, it's so flat in West Texas. They say that your dog could run away for three days and you could watch him. He said, there he is. He's still leaving home. <laughs> so when Paul said, <laughs> when Paul said, all men forsook me, 
But the same night, the Lord stood by me. Imagine when everybody walked out and Jesus coming in, standing by you and strengthening you. Never let your confidence be in who came and who left. If Jesus came into your room, you must be doing something. Jesus strengthened. I mean, you, you almost want to send a letter to everyone that left and say, thank you for leaving when you did. I just want to thank you for leaving when you did because when you walked out, Jesus walked in. You say, what you talking about? I'm working on your attitude right now. I'm going to slap you around. I'm working on your attitude right now. Because if you've got a passive attitude, you'll never do the will of God. Your attitude, the spirit of faith has an attitude. Come on. You can tell when people have a bad attitude, right? They're not a bad attitude. You know. <laughs> you can tell a lot about attitudes, can't you? Especially if you're a preacher, you're like, oh, there's an attitude. <laughs> People sit with an attitude. Like while you're preaching, like. <laughs> oh, they kind of slouch. <laughs> and then there's the attitude like, I already know everything you're saying. <laughs> In other words, attitudes are evident. But the spirit of faith has an attitude that refuses to quit, an attitude of confidence, an attitude that Jesus is still on your side, an attitude that the good work God has begun, he'll bring to full completion, an attitude that if your faith never gets in your attitude, then it's still just a formula, still just principles. But the moment it gets in your attitude, it will attract marines. Oh, I feel like slapping somebody already. I said, the moment, I said, the moment it gets in your attitude that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this, come on, somebody bigger than man has called you and ordained you, and before you were ever born, come on, God ordained you to be a prophet to the nation. It's an attitude. Come on, it makes your praise different. Oh, come on now. People, they go, praise the Lord. Come on, you need to praise with an attitude. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hey, glory to God. Come on now. The devil is a defeated foe. He's under my feet. Glory to God. Something good is happening right now. Come on. Your best days are ahead of you. Come on. There's a great and effectual door. Oh, glory to God. Hey! Whoa! 
Come on, I'm expecting miracles in the next 12 months. Glory to God. Hey, come on now. to love the attitude. Come on now. I'm dealing with an attitude here now. Because your attitude is more important than your talents. I said your attitude is more important than your talents and your education and how much you know. Whoa. Ha, 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 ha. Now sit down. Ha, ha, ha. Now. So I'm getting some spit ready right now. It's the attitude of faith. Amen. Come on, no matter how talented you are, how smart you are, you, you may be the best preacher since the history of Christianity right next to the Apostle Paul. But if you don't have an attitude of faith, nobody wants to hear what you got to say. Nobody but the National Guard wants to hear what you to say. I'm telling the Marines will hear what you got to say if you have a spirit of faith. I'm talking about men and women that will change a city, a village, a family, a nation. Ha, 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 ha. Now, Smith Wigglesworth said it this way. I love Smith Wigglesworth's attitude of faith. Here's what he said. He said, there's no telling where the blessing will end when somebody believes God. Wow. No telling where the blessing will end. He said that in reference to Abraham, that Abraham believed God, and God told Abraham, if you will go, I will show. If you will go, I will make you. If you will go, I will bless you. And Abraham believed God, and God said, All the families of the earth shall be blessed because you believe. Woo! Never let the devil tell you your faith is some little tiny, uninfluential thing. Your faith literally is changing people and families. He wants to try to reduce you to insignificance, but when you believe God, your faith will go from generation to generation. Your faith, your spirit of faith. Hallelujah. I said your spirit of faith. Hmm. I've told you this story before, but wow, man, pastored for over 20 years or so. You know, you got your church finances, you got your buildings, and you got your staff, and you got your budget, you know. And, and right in the middle of all that, 
there was a rich man in the church, and he was the biggest giver in the church. Rich man. Man, he's, he's fancy, ritzy, ditzy, fancy, dancy, pantsy. I mean, this man got the house and the cars, and he coming to our church. Whoo! Man, he was the biggest giver. Ah, but mmm. Found out he just wanted to use the money to tell me what to do. I said, now, brother, that just ain't going to work. Because I ain't for sale. I ain't even for rent. Tell me what sermons he likes and he don't like. I said, I'm getting some spit ready right now. <laughs> I won't go into all of it, but this attitude problems developed, and finally he left the church. Well, when he left the church, I just sat in my office on Monday, depressed. <laughs> I was a man of faith and power until he left the church. <laughs> Somebody said, I became a man of paste and flour. <laughs> so I just sat in my office, and I'm just thinking, here comes the financial report. And I went, oh, that's real disappointing. <laughs> Biggest giver just left the church. So I'm just sitting there, and the Lord spoke to me real clear right then. He said, you know, the biggest giver is still here. I said, well, I'd like to know who it is because I see the printout of who gives. The Bible says, know those who labor among you, and I know who's giving and who ain't. I know you play like you're ignorant, but I know I'm sitting there, and the Lord says, biggest giver's still here. I said, well, I'd like to know who it is. I mean, because I see this guy every, every week. He's the biggest giver. He just drove off with his Mercedes. Drove right off. <laughs> Lord said, biggest giver's still here. I said, well, I'd like to know who it is. And the Lord said, it's me. The Lord said, I'm the biggest giver. I went, ah. Ah, he said, and as long as I'm still here, he said, you'll never lack for money. Yeah. I went, ah, biggest giver still here. You know, I just changed my attitude right then. I took my expectation off of man and put it back on God. Thank you, Lord, you're the biggest giver. As long as you're here, I'll never lack for money. I'll never lack for ability. I'll never lack. I'll never lack. Wow. The Lord did some other things just to show me, just to give me a, a sign that the money would come. And from that point, the church finances went from $5,000 a week, $10,000 a week. Come on. Over the next few years, $20,000 a week, $30,000 a week. $40,000 a week, $50,000 a week, $60,000 a week, $70,000 a week. And I just got up and asked if anyone else wanted to leave. 
You see, the fear of man will bring a snare. Come on, Jesus told Paul on the road to Damascus, I'm going to deliver you from the people, and then I'm going to send you to the people. God cannot send you to people that you're not delivered from. Come on, because you're too afraid of whether they're wagging their head this way. But there is a boldness. All right, I feel like slapping somebody again. I said there is a boldness that comes with the spirit of faith. That you can be a people person and not be a people pleaser. Come on, I'm a people person. I'll fight for your health and your future and your family, but I am not a people pleaser. In other words, I got a gospel I got to preach. I got an assignment. I got a destination. And if you want to go, come on, but I ain't dragging you. You better change your attitude and get ready to face some bears and get ready to deliver your eggs. I'm telling you, God has a plan for your life. Attitude. I love Jerry Savelle because Jerry Savelle followed Brother Copeland for years and they put him on salary and he worked for him. And then Jerry Savelle said, I knew it was time for me to leave and go out to my own ministry. He said, so I told Brother Copeland, I'm leaving in one year to go out into my own ministry. But I want you to stop my salary now because I want to get used to living by faith. I thought, what an attitude. Don't, don't, go ahead and slap somebody next. I said, what an attitude. I said, what an attitude. What an attitude. I don't need you to guarantee me nothing. I got a God that's on my side, knows my name, knows my address. Come on now. He knows exactly what I need. And when I pray, mountains are going to move, I'm telling you. The authority that you have as a believer. An attitude of faith. Glory to God. Ha-ha! Come on, laugh a few minutes. Ha-ha! Come on, that means your best days are ahead of you. Your best months are ahead of you. Your best years are ahead of you. God is able to make you stand. God is able to keep you from falling. God is able to keep what you committed unto him against that day. Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. Just go ahead and laugh like you have an attitude. Huh. Come on, don't laugh like a sissy. Laugh like you've got an attitude like, ha! Ha, ha! You talking to me? Ha, ha! Ha, ha, ha! Simply believe in praying tongues like a sissy. Praying tongues like you might get away with that sometime, but if you expect to do the will of God, you'll have to put some boldness when you're praying with confidence and some fire. Ooh, ha ha ha! Your attitude. Come on, God's working on your attitude. Spirit of faith is an attitude. 
I said it's an attitude. If your faith never gets in your attitude, it ain't faith at all. Because the spirit of faith is something that happens in your heart. Come on. There's people in Hebrews chapter 11 that should not be in there. Come on now. If your definition of what is right, they should not be in Hebrews 11. But the Holy Spirit put them in Hebrews chapter 11 as God's stamp of approval. Not that they were perfect, but it was by faith that Abraham. Y'all still here? By faith, Moses. By faith, Noah. By faith, David. Twenty by faith in Hebrews 11. Twenty by faith. Twenty. Holy Spirit said, by faith, 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 by faith. Got it? It's by faith. Hey. It's actually one through faith. By faith. <laughs> By faith. Boy, and there's some people in Hebrews 11 that you want to kind of tell the Lord. You know, you might want to take them out. We might need to edit Hebrews chapter 11. I mean, you got some people in there. That's a bad example. Come on, you can go to Israel today and they're still talking about David's sin. But God forgot David's sin and God used David. You may be still talking about somebody else's failure, but once the blood is applied, God ain't even thinking about their failure. God's taking them on. I always like to say that God dislikes self-righteousness more than unrighteousness. So proud of what you never did. Oh, I don't want to get into that. I'm proud of what I never did. Well, there's a bunch of other things you never did you should have done. So shut up. Listen. The attitude of faith. I told the Lord one time, I said, Lord, if I was you, I would have edited the Bible. Because I wouldn't, come on, you don't, want, you don't want to tell all that. Just hit the high points. <laughs> just the high points, we just want to, high points, leave some of that stuff out. I said, Lord, why you got to include all that in the Bible? It's embarrassing. 
The Lord said, I'll include every failure because I want somebody to know 2,000 years later that no matter where you have failed and no matter what you have done and no matter what you have been through, if you will by faith believe God, God will make your life significant. Hey! Woo! Ha, ha, ha. Go ahead and laugh with an attitude. Go, ha, ha. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul, you know. One preacher was preaching. He said, Acts 16, you know. He said, Paul and his wife, Silas, were in prison. <laughs> said, and their son, Timothy, was at home with nobody to take care of. <laughs> I know that's not correct. But anyway, Paul... And Silas, in prison, bound, beaten, and at midnight, the attitude. I said the attitude. Victor Frankl, who was a Nazi concentration camp survivor in the middle of all the abuse by the Nazis to the Jews that Victor Frankl said, I survived because the last of all human freedoms is the ability to choose your own attitude regardless of circumstances. The last of all human freedoms means, that means every other freedom can be challenged and taken from you, but you have one freedom that no man can take from you, and you have the choice to make an attitude of faith in the middle of adversity. I chose my attitude. That means I still believe God. I still have faith in God. I still believe in the blood of Jesus. I still believe in the wisdom of God. I still believe in the plan of God. God God is able to get you to your destiny. He is able to get you there. The good work he begun in your life, he will bring it to full completion. I am confident. Ha, ha, ha. Come on, everybody needs at least four crazy friends. That believe God. Because when that guy was paralyzed, his four crazy friends picked him up, took him to Jesus. Four crazy friends. I mean, they didn't have a reserved seat when they got to the house. It was packed. Most people would have said, wow, must be the sovereignty of God. If God would have wanted us to be there, he would have obviously made a room for us. If it was intended by God for us to be healed, surely Jesus would have seen us or one of the disciples. Instead, the room is filled. Let's go back to the house. I'm tired. You're tired. I'm thirsty. 
I need a Coca-Cola. I need a hammock. I'm tired. But these four crazy friends had an attitude that took them right on top of the house and knocked a hole in the roof. Says, dropped their paralyzed friend right through the hole in the roof. Not too hard. But <laughs> it became an even greater miracle after they dropped him to the roof. <laughs> they, their paralyzed friend. I, I like to see it like this. It says they, they, they lowered him right to the feet of Jesus. Can you imagine these four guys getting on the roof and this guy's like, I sure hope this works. <laughs> and when they got on the roof, they said, now, uh, which, where, where was Jesus? They said, he, he was over there. So they went, about how many feet? There. think it's about right here? Get a little bit further. How about right here? He said, all right, dig there. Let me start digging. And it says Jesus was teaching. Right? Jesus is teaching. Nothing happening. It says there were scribes and Pharisees and doctors of the law. Oh, a smart group. smart group. Jesus probably didn't even mention it. We sure have a smart group here today. Glad to have Dr. Fufu here. <laughs> Preachers love recognition. I mean, they love recognition like Oh, uh, did Jesus mention you? Didn't mention me. I didn't even have a reserved seat. You know Dr. Fufu? All right. Are you Dr. Fufu? <laughs> Dr. Bobo, how about that? <laughs> so... And it says, while Jesus was teaching, it said the power of God was present to heal who? Them. All of them. The power of God was what? Present to heal all of them. In other words, they came actually to criticize and to judge, to see on a scale of 1 to 10 about what his sermon was. I'd give that about a six and a half. <laughs> power of God's present, right? So most everybody's thinking, there ain't nothing happening. Ain't nothing happening. Nothing happening. We are not that impressed, right? Huh? And then all of a sudden, some dirt starts coming down. I love Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans, her little books on healing. Lillian B. Yeomans, she said, uh, 
This unlearned, ignorant man almost fell on the reverent heads of the Pharisees. Right in front of Jesus. <laughs> Dr. Lillenby Yeomans said, God has tied himself irrevocably to human cooperation in the execution of divine purposes. When God has a divine purpose, he ties himself irrevocably to human cooperation. He always looks for a man. He looks for a woman. He looks for a young person. He looks for somebody that will believe him. If he can find anybody that will believe him, he will bring to pass his purpose. God has tied himself. I'm going to add another one to this. God has sovereignly tied himself irrevocably to human cooperation. Mm. What does that mean? He's always looking for somebody. He don't care whether you're cute or not. I mean, you glad about that? He don't care if you're rich or not. He's just looking for somebody that will believe him. He has made man's faith a determining factor in the work of redemption. In other words, according to your faith, be it unto you. Jesus standing there, and here comes paralyzed man in front of him. Right? And then up there, four crazy friends. You know, some of us would never make it if we did not have four crazy friends. At least four crazy friends. <laughs> There's a real successful book, you know, that tells companies how they become successful, and CEOs, how they make millions of dollars. And the title of that book is Five Relationships. And it says, every successful CEO can point to five significant people that change their life. In other words, God will put supernatural relationships that will supply something to you at the right time. And those four crazy guys are smiling. And it says, and when Jesus saw their faith. Wow. All he was looking for was faith. When he saw their faith. You know, you can see faith. You know you can hear faith, but you can see faith. When he saw, whoo, I mean, you know, if Jesus did that then, today he still does it. When he sees you act in faith, he turns to the Father and says, did you see that? 
right in the middle of difficulty and all kinds of feelings and circumstances, and you acted on the Word of God. You started praising God. Y'all still here? Paul and Silas. What an attitude. Midnight. Bam. We're fixing to hear the attitude come out of the center of the prison. They began to praise God. I imagine Paul having this conversation. I imagine Paul saying, all right, devil, all right, devil. Looks like you did good. I mean, I had that vision, all that stuff, you know, crossed over the sea, uh, Macedonian call, all that, expecting great results, and absolutely nothing has happened, and I got beat up over it, and so apparently this whole stuff ain't working right. But when Paul crossed the Aegean Sea, the Macedonian vision, it determined the fate of many nations. When he went to modern day Europe to carry the gospel. So when Paul is in prison, beat up, he probably said, all right, devil, all right, devil, you, you did good, you got my back, beat me up, you got me embarrassed, you got me in shame. It actually looks like my faith is not working at all. But at midnight, he said, devil, you made one mistake. You should have taped my mouth shut. Because <laughs> long as I can move my mouth, I can move a mountain. Long as I can lift my voice, long as I can lift my voice, there's something about your attitude that gets in your voice that when you lift your voice, the psalmist David said, my voice left the earth, went all the way to heaven, went in the ears of God, and then the earth shook. Come on, God shook that place because of the voice of faith. They began to praise God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And it says, and the prisoners heard them. Oh, there's an attitude in there. I said, there's an attitude in there. Glory to God. How many know the Lord will work on your attitude? Sometimes you have to help him some. <laughs> you have to help him some. You notice the psalmist David, David's always, like the Psalms, you can almost tell how he's dealing with his own attitude, like in Psalms. You read that whole chapter or two or three chapters there, and you'll see David, he'll say something like this, why art thou cast down, O my soul? You say, who's he talking to? Himself. Somebody said, the both most important conversation you have is with yourself. Sometimes you need to take yourself to the back and say, I need to talk to you right now. I'm getting a little tired of your attitude. I'm not going to put up with it. You cannot be a leader if you cannot self-correct. You have to deal with yourself. You say, I want to talk to you. Come on, take yourself into the bathroom, look in the mirror. And say, don't look down while I'm talking to you. <laughs> oh, y'all got kids, right? Not you look, look, look at me. No, no, don't slouch like that. Stand up and look at me while I'm talking. Put that phone down. <laughs> he said, why are you cast down, oh, my soul? What's he doing? He's talking to himself. 
And then he says, hope thou in God. One translation says, expect God to act. Turn your expectation. I like what David said in Psalm 62. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is only upon him. Lower your expectation in people and raise your expectation in God. It is impossible to be offended when your expectation is only upon God. Mm. Mm. How many of y'all ever been offended? Oh, I have. Man, you know. Uh, Brother Hagin said, anytime you're feeling mistreated, you know the devil's working on you. Boy, the devil talks, I tell you, they shut up, they shut up, they cut up, they went up, and they shut up, and they didn't do it, and they cut up, and they shut up. <laughs> I don't know why they did it, but they shut up. <laughs> You'll still be talking that way when you're on your deathbed. They shut up, and they cut up, and they what? I don't know why they did not. You'll still be just talking about your marriage. Anyway, so... Leave your pastor out of this. So, you know, cut y'all, shut on y'all, what Listen now, in the middle of a spirit of faith, you turn your expectation only upon God. There's something about your faith that will not work right if your expectation is on man, God, and man. Come on. Keep your expectation only upon God. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. You say, why? Because God has a reputation for not disappointing. God has a reputation for faithfulness. Hmm. That means when you're in leadership and your expectation is on God, whoo, it's easier to serve and be a blessing. Amen? Well, they didn't treat me, that treat me. You say, holy, you ain't important nor big enough for me to do what I'm doing. Jesus called me and I'm doing it as unto him. And you just happen to get in this picture. You think I'd be here because I like the beach in Australia? No, I'd be home with my grandkids. And you are cute, and I like you, but there's something a little bit bigger than you sitting there. Jesus, the head of the church. Come on, he called you before you were ever born. You're serving him, you're serving others, and you're a blessing, but your expectation is only upon God. You have an attitude. Come on. The apostle Paul said, there's a great and effectual door that is open unto me. There are many adversaries. Hmm. That said me, I'm expecting a fight. Planning on a fight. Ready for a fight. And will not be surprised when I'm fighting. Like, how could this happen to me? No, I was planning on fighting. I came ready to fight. He said, what are you talking about there? 
He said, it's a great ineffectual door. So Trent and I, we thought, wow, God's opening up some big doors, you know. You're serving the Lord. He's opening up some big doors. And so we thought, wow, big door. What's a big door, you know? Well, there's a single door. Come on. How many ever seen like a, like a dog door? You know, they put a door on a door, a little dog come in there now. And then there's a regular door, like you got a door right there. And then you get a double door. Come on now. And the, everybody loved doors. You know, doors are real nice. Aren't they really nice doors? I mean, and you can get pretty doors, you know. You get regular doors, you know, right? God said, I'm opening up a big door. You go, oh, big door, good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's a pretty big door right there. <laughs> but we flew in to Fort Worth and to uh, the, the private jet area where we fly in. We flew in there, and we, ca- we, were, we were taxing by a hangar where they hold jets. And they opened the door to the hangar. And when they opened that door, We said, now that is a big door. (laughs) Come on, you you ain't looking just for no dog door. Come on. You ain't looking for no little door. There's no door right there. Praise the Lord. Listen now. God is opening a great and effectual door. Come on. A great and effectual door. Come on, there's a great and effectual door. Come on, coming up right in front of you right now. And Jesus says, don't even say it's four months until the harvest. Lift up your eyes. The harvest is right, right now, all around you, this great door. Boy, I feel like slapping somebody, I'm telling you. Come on. There's a spirit of faith. That no matter what you've been through, come on. Finish your course, you'll stand there and say, I fought a good fight. That means, I, come on, I didn't, I didn't pull no punches. <laughs> come on, when I swung, I swung with all I got. I was reading about David. It says, when David danced before the Lord, it said he danced with all of his might. So, I mean, he didn't have like on leotards or nothing. He's like. <laughs> he ain't trying to be cute. He danced with all of his might. That means when he was finished, he was tired. He's like. <sighs> he got home, his wife said. Now, that was ugly. <laughs> you got to like a man that can talk back to his wife. David could have ruined it for every man. If he would have said, I'm sorry, honey, I'll never do that again. <laughs> Instead, David said, I shall be yet more vile than this. Because it was the Lord that brought me where I am, and not your daddy, and not your money, and not your kinfolk. It was the Lord that made me king. What you talking about? Attitude. I said, we got an attitude here. When it came time to give, it says, David gave over and above his time. He gave. He said, I prepared with all of my might so that when he gave, come on now. He turned to his mighty men and challenged them. What you going to give? 
People say, now don't do that in church. It's not good for the things that people get in a threat environment, get under pressure. Sorry, I'm only quoting the Bible. You've heard of it. David gave with all of his might. Uh, the Lord told me, he said, if your giving don't affect you much, your harvest won't affect you much either. And when David, he was one of those 100% guys. When he gave, gave it all his might. People still negotiating. They're like, now, the tithe. Can we talk about the tithe? <laughs> Let's talk about the tithe. Now, the tithe is that 10% before taxes or after taxes. Now, <laughs> now let's just say... And we need to figure the scenario that we have to tithe off of this, we have 10% of that, or 10%. Do you think I'd go to hell if I just gave 5%? Uh, listen, camel breath. Now, that tithe, that before the law, after the law. Now, we're in the grace. We don't have to do that 10% no more. I mean, the Lord would love us anyway. He loved us while we were sinners. We don't have to get no tithe. Let the Muslims have the church. Come on now. We don't have to tithe. We don't need no property. Let the Hindus buy it up. Come on now, because Christians shouldn't have to tithe. Come on now, this nation belongs to Christianity, belongs to the gospel of Christ, this generation, come on now, and to possess the land, some money has to come in, come on now, and through giving, David built that temple. He didn't know like, now the time. Somebody said, well, I go to hell if I don't die. I don't know, but I wouldn't chance that for 10% of nothing. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to stand before the Lord and he goes, uh, those preachers were wrong. You go to hell forever. You're like, for 10%? <laughs> you say, is that going to happen? Probably not. It's just the probably that bothers you. What's the tithe got to do with it? David gave with all of his might. He wasn't measuring if that's 10% or not. He said, I'm giving over and above. People say, well, I'm under grace. I don't have to tithe. Oh, well, grace always does twice as much. You must be like a double or triple tither or something. <laughs> Come on. Close your mouth. You might swallow a fly. Listen. <laughs> When David gave with all of his might, what kind of attitude is that? When he danced, when he praised, come on, all of his might, come on. We've got too much left in reserve that when you die, you'll say, I wish I would have given 100%. What would have happened if I would have praised, if I would have gave with all of my might? What would have happened if I would have had a spirit of faith and launched out and believed God? What would have happened? Come on now. The four lepers said, why sit we here until we die? Come on. If we go to the enemy's camp, they'll just kill us. We might as well go there. We're going to die here anyhow. 
But while they were marching, God liked their faith. <laughs> Sit back down. I said, while they were marching, God loved their faith. And heaven started marching with them. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on, when you start taking steps of faith, all of heaven start marching with you. Woo! Spirit of faith. I don't know if you've ever heard of the preacher that wrote the cross in the switchblade, David Wilkerson, who was sitting at his home late at night watching TV, saw the gangs taking over New York City, and it says that David, come on, the Spirit of God stirred him, stirred him. He said, I'm going to the gangs. And he went in there. You know the story probably. He met Nicky Cruz, a lead gang member there, and he's leading those gangs, and boy, those guys are rough. When he met him, Nicky Cruz pulled out his switchblade. He said, Preacher, I'll cut you in a thousand pieces. David Wilker said, And every piece will cry out that Jesus loves you. Come on. An attitude. Hallelujah. An attitude. How many of y'all working on your attitude right now? I mean, say, I'm getting some spit ready right now. I'm getting some spit ready right now. I'm going to grab a corn stalk. Somebody say, what if you fail? You say, I already failed. I already did that. Spirit of faith. God's got things for you the next 12 months. Amen. Thomas Edison said there are more opportunities than people who see them. Wow. We are well able. I said we are well able. I said we are well able. Well, we are well able. Come on now. Come on, if the devil puts a little pressure on you, say, I've been waiting on this fight. I'm ready for it. Come on. Come on, concerning your future, concerning your ministry, concerning your family, concerning your health, concerning your finances, right in the middle of it, you say, God has given me authority. And mountains are going to have to move. Come on. The Lord told me, he said, if you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you would move it. Let's try that again. If you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you would. Come on, when you come up against a mountain, you don't say, well, must be the will of God for this mountain to be here. Must have been predestined. People love that predestination stuff, don't they? Predestined is predestined. Well, did you hear about the guy that believed in predestination? And he fell down the stairs. And he said, I'm sure glad that's over. I predestined. Listen, we believe in predestination. We just do not believe in fate. Fate is case sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. Predestination requires your cooperation. 
Your faith connects to a predestination. Glory to God. Come on, your faith will get you to your destination. Woo! Woo! Stand up on your feet and give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Come on, I said give the Lord a shout. Glory! Ha, ha, ha! Woo! Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. There is a great ineffectual door. Come on, there's a great door. There's a great door. There's a great door. There is a great door. A great door that is opening unto you. Woo! Many adversaries that would like to shut it. Great door. And this time of your life, with a spirit of faith, an attitude of faith, you'll fight the good fight of faith. You'll fulfill the will of God for your life. The good work that God's begun. He'll bring to full completion. We are confident. I said we are confident. Come on, our expectation. Come on, turn your expectation only upon God. Thank you, Father. Now lift your hands and worship the Lord. Lord, we worship you. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Lord, we believe. We believe and we speak. We hold fast our profession of faith. Thank you, Lord by your Holy Spirit, that you propel us and you strengthen us, that we will act on the Word of God, an attitude of faith. We expect miracles. I expect miracles. Something good is happening right now. I expect miracles. God always makes a way for us where there is no way. I expect miracles. Ha, 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 ha. Now laugh a few minutes. Ha, ha, ha. Come on, laugh like you're laughing at the devil. I said, the devil is a liar. No matter what has happened, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, your Redeemer. Woo, my Redeemer lives. Glory to God. Woo, go ahead and laugh just a few more minutes. Come on, come on, laugh. Laugh with an attitude. Come on, laugh like, ha, 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 ha. When you see me a year from now, I'll be having some new scenery and new blessing and new things will spring forth. Oh, the goodness of God. I got a good report. Woo! Everybody say, I have. We have the same spirit of faith. We believe and we speak. We have an attitude. Of faith, we believe God, and we will not be quiet. We lift our voice with great joy, great expectation. I have faith in God. I am a believer. I am not a doubter. I'm ready to fight. I'm not in a people fight. I'm not in a people fight. I fight the fight of faith. It is a good fight, and I win. Jesus' victory is my victory. Come on, lift your hands and lift your voice. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Come on, give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Come on, shout about it. Get an attitude about it. Our God is an awesome God. He's the almighty God. He's your father God. He's your redeemer. Hallelujah. Our God. Woo. Ha, 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 ha. Woo. Glory to God.
Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story that you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at churchatrhema.org.au. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.